Welcome back to the School of Calisthenics podcast with Tim and Jacko. And today we've got a very special um, podcast because we were guests on the OCR audio podcast, which I'm reliably informed is the biggest OCR podcast on the planet, Tim. That's exciting. It what, is. What, how did we get on that? I, I know, they, they wanted to <laughs> know done. how calisthenics can help with um, OCR racing. And it's a great opportunity for us uh, just to remind you about the OCR team event that we've set up uh, to do and take part in Tough Mudder. Yeah, we're super excited about this one. The obstacle course race environment for us, it looks like a great playground. So we just want to get everyone together, bring the community into one place to take on the classic Tough Mudder in the Midlands on the 18th of May. It's not a race, it's not a competition. We're literally getting together to hang out, have a good time, go and play around on the course a little bit. If you want to come and do your first OCR I don't think there's going to be a friendlier opportunity to, to come and do that with some people who are going to be there to support you. Or if you're a seasoned OCR racer, come along and support everybody else. But ultimately, we just want to get people together and hang out. Yeah, and if uh, it's, my, my, it's going to be my first ever OCR. Um, I'm a seasoned veteran. I've done one. He's the one. If you, uh, if you want a race and you try and beat me, I will, I will do my best. Yeah, we're saying it's I'm a community event. Jack will be gone I'm after Mr. the first five miles. He's started training don't take me on at Shiraz at Christmas. <laughs> um, it's uh, we've got we've we've partnered with uh, Tough Mudder on this one to bring you an exclusive discount. It's only eighty pounds, which includes a, a free exclusive uh, team SOC OCR uh, T-shirt. I'm not sure how we're going to fit all those letters on the T-shirt, but we'll figure that out at a later date. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's hugely discounted from um, what you'd pay if you're on your own. So even if you don't like me and Tim, you may as well come along and join our team just to make take advantage of that discount. So you can find the link to the website where you can book your place to join us on the OCR, OCR in the show notes. It's all right up there on the School of Calisthenics website. So you can sit back, enjoy the podcast, get excited about the OCR, and then book on and come and see us. This is Tim and Jacko on the OCR audio podcast. Hi, I'm John Alvin. You're listening to Jack and Luke on the OCR audio. I'm Leon Kofo, the reigning OCR European Short Course Champion, and you're listening to OCR Audio. I'm Steve Hammond from Spartan Race, and you're listening to OCR Audio. Gonna be an epic show! Excellent. So today we're joined by the guys from School of Calisthenics, Tim and Jacko. How are you doing today? Good? Hey guys, uh, thank you. Yeah, we're great. Thanks and glad to be here. And well done for saying calisthenics. Nearly a stumble, but you got there in the end. You can see why he does that part now, not me. <laughs> That's lesson one over. Done. Pass. That's it. Got it in there. Nice and early. So you're doing all good today then, guys? Yep, good busy day. We just uh, we launched our virtual classroom, uh, which is our online um, school product, which on last Friday. So we're just heavy in engaging with that, and yeah, it's coming together really well. It's exciting times. We've got lots of people in the community all sharing ideas and, and thoughts around the calisthenics training. So yeah, busy but good. Someone asked me the other day what calisthenics actually is. Let's start very basically for the guys we've got out there that probably a hundred percent sure everyone's heard of it. But what actually is it? Uh, well, no, you're not necessarily 100%. Some people might not have heard of it. Um, calisthenics is basically body weight training, using your own body as the resistance. The word itself comes from two Greek words, kalos and stenos, which mean beauty and strength. Um, and we take sort of movement as should be a beautiful thing. If someone moves well, you know, it looks beautiful. And um, so we really look at the calisthenics boring down to movement and strength. And that's what we base our whole framework for calisthenics on. Um, and around this idea of can we, how can we use our own body as the as the resistance to um, mm -hmm. manipulate the sort of training environment around us to move better and to be strong through those through those movements, and that can incorporate all sorts of things from your basic push up, pull ups, and and sit ups and that type of stuff, all the way through to the show stopping things like human flags and handstand push ups and and various variations of all those things. But there's sort of almost everything in between, and we've seen it being used. Uh, with some of the athletes that we work, we've worked with um, in a number of different sort of performance sports. We've done stuff with physios at the English Institute of Sport where they're looking at late stage rehab for shoulder improvement. 
Um, so there's this, there's a, it fast goes through a whole range of things and then sort of swing in beyond monkey bars, um, in an, in an obstacle race obviously fits in with, um, what the shoulder is going to be doing whilst hanging overhead. And we, we, we do an awful lot of work on that and the benefits of hanging in, in its own right. And then mm-hmm. throw on top of that, the sort of the benefits of play and, and not being restricting our training. So just, we have to do three sets of 10 of this specific exercise and actually having some freedom to try and sort of use your body as a, as your gym and a way to explore how to move and be strong in different ways. Yeah. Just let it roll sort of thing. I'm a big fan of that. Like, um, I, I do a lot of sort of animal flow. Admittedly, I yeah. do a lot of it for like warm up and stuff. Yes. Sometimes I look down at a watch and I've been doing like an hour of animal flow and no actual workout. But yeah. you'd be surprised actually how much like a simple thing like a bear crawl, like we teach in the SGX coach for Spartan, is quite demanding, especially a beginner. You know, quite a demanding move. Yeah, and that's like a really good jump on point for us as well. And that that kind of forms the foundations of postural control into some of the basis of our pushing movement. So calisthenics flows really well into that because it's almost like an opportunity where we just add a little bit more strength stimulus into some of those foundation movement patterns. Um, but the progression comes from leveraging your own body weight in different ways, which you can be 100% feel through animal flow type movements. Um, we're just sort of taking that into more of a strength form where you might go right let's go into some we call it a pike push-up but effectively you would find yourself in that like v position hands on the floor feet on the ground um, back backside in the air as part of a flow movement potentially to mobilize hamstrings and hips and, and shoulders but we might just spend some time in that shape just putting some reps in for the idea of we want more strength development which will then go into some form of handstand push-up type work so there's definitely some very close parallels around those things Mm-hmm. so where would you start in your workshops then so for instance from a beginner what what do you what is the first thing you actually teach where's where's the starting point yeah so we because our framework is based around the, the principles of calisthenics and being movement and strength so we always focus on creating the, the bodies or creating the environment for which the body can achieve success so if we our first stop of anything is going to be trying to address movement um, in itself and that looks like movement preparation and movement patterning so we want to prepare the session or the body for the session that we're about to do. So it might be that we've got people that have sat in cars for three hours and they come to a workshop or they've got desk jobs. It's been a lot of time in sedentary positions for us to then start to take them into overhead shapes like handstands or human flags. If they've been rounded over in the shoulders on a computer a week is not, it's possible, but you're just not going to maximize that opportunity of that training session. And that boils down to a lot of where we've come from, from an elite sports background. Both Jack and I are professional strength and conditioning coaches who've been in the game for a long time, work with athletes at a high level. And that process of training somebody for Paralympic Games, which is our specialist area, mm-hmm. if we can improve each session by one, two, three percent by doing some prep work at the start over the course of four years, that could be the difference because we took some time to prepare the body and get rid of some movement compensations, try and get back to as close to postural optimum as we can. So we use various mobilization techniques to do that, but basically just get people moving, improve joint range of movement, then activate some of the musculature which we're going to use. And then we start to move into some uh, movement patterning, which is basically starting to the skill acquisition process. If you want to do a human flag or a handstand, you currently, or most people starting as a beginner, won't know how to control uh, that movement pattern particularly well. For a human flag, they won't know how to push and pull maximally at the same time in an overhead position. So we have to find ways in which we can start to teach that neural process of learning the movement. And we do that using really easy progressions, which don't have a huge amount of intensity. So how do we find positions where you can feel what you've got to do? You can teach yourself the connection, the integration through the body, but you're not struggling to fight a really difficult exercise because of the intensity. So you're not trying to hold your whole body weight. We'll do it in a much more supportive and progressive way. Once we've done that, then we move on to the strength progressions, uh, specific strength and then more global strength. So that's kind of how the flow would work on any of our sessions or um, how we would work at a a workshop or or, um, retreat or training camp or anything like that. So it's it's similar to like most plans then, you you sort of build the roots, build good movement and then you build from there really. Yeah, movement is for me, I've I've said for a long time from an athlete perspective and sports performance, that range of movement is a cornerstone of performance. If you want to move well, or you want to achieve anything from a strength, even from a strength perspective, you have to create the foundations for that. And the body wants to move, or if it can move well, you you have access to the range of movement and then you can start to build the stability and the strength on top. But if you don't have that ability to move and create the right shapes that you need to, it's the same with running. If you, if you, if you're tight, hips are all jacked up, hamstrings are tight. You see people running down the street all the time with pretty dysfunctional movement mechanics. Um, 
if you can correct those, then you can start to really focus on getting performance out. You can start to get strong. If you try and build strength on top of an unstable foundation or a system that doesn't move well, you're only ever going to be like, yeah, you're never going to, you'll get some gains. It's not to say you can't, but you'll only ever get a limited development in terms of the full potential. And you're also riding on a knife edge a lot of the time in terms of injury risk. So it really, it's the bit that it's not the sexy stuff, but it really is the most important thing that people can do to just build a stable foundations. doesn't mean you can't build strength at the same time, but if you've got a session structure, these two things can roll at the same time. And sometimes building strength is, is hard and takes a lot of time. And actually there can be some easier wins in our movement performance or capacity. And that might be a more efficient running action and therefore getting better wins through, through actually that as opposed to anything else. And it's the same with, um, with some of the calisthenics movements that we teach where someone might be strong enough to do a ring muscle up but they actually just haven't got the shoulder extension to as you get through the rings. And actually we do some work to improve that and you go, bingo, they've got it. You know, there's no problem in that has when, if there's a group of people watching, there'll be other people there that saw this almost like this magic thing happen where this guy <laughs> did it. And it's because he was strong enough and they then think they're going to do it, but they actually aren't strong enough because this dude might've been doing, you know, dips for fun for, for, you know, he's, he might say, I'm a beginner. I've never done calisthenics before, but he does, you know, you know, dips got a history of doing some yeah exactly exactly exercise yeah but that's definitely something that we see a lot of in ocr where people are bringing uh, they've got like a lot of strength so they can get through a lot of the obstacles but the technique or what you're saying like the movement patterns aren't built in so they're just muscling their way through yeah um, and you're finding when they're doing like longer races or multiple hour races that their bodies are failing because yeah. they're not learning as kind of like you're putting into perspective from the beginning to have the good technique the correct way of doing it they're just using more strength to get through stuff and how much does that affect your fatigue or your endurance levels that actually you want to be getting through you want your running to be as efficient as possible mm-hmm. but when you're getting over a wall which might like might be basically like a muscle up in our sort of terms but you can probably use a little bit but the more efficient you can make those movements that you're going through those obstacles the more energy you've got to then do your efficient running which you've always mm-hmm. also been working on and you know might knock a load of time off your um, mm-hmm. your, your, your pbs and whatnot because actually you've just made the whole thing more efficient regardless of like being any actually fitter or actually stronger for me that's where the field split though especially in ocr for instance what i mean by that is you get your open waivers you do it for fun yeah they don't want to train the boring bits they want to go straight to the magic Whereas guys that realize that actually if we want to win or we've got this, or we're doing it as a living or earning money from it, we have to do all those boring, a bit like my fresh release, you know, how boring is it getting on a phone roller? But actually the potential gains are huge. Yeah. Well, we, some, that's where something we've, I've was been in that when I, I used to play rugby before I did this, I started doing calisthenics when I retired from rugby five years ago mm-hmm. and, I would, you know, uh, my hamstrings as an example would, uh, well, and shoulders, I'd knackered shoulders from rugby and, and pulled hamstring many times. Um, and, you know, physios, you know, we, we had, I'd see a physio every day. We was part of a, a full-time team. And the, uh, the, the number of times I was encouraged to do X, Y, and Z to help with this, but because I found it boring and it didn't, the outcome, mm-hmm. feeling the outcome. Whereas um, with calisthenics, for example, like for my shoulders, it was, I wanted to do a human flag. And then when I realized that actually, cause that my range of motion overhead was so poor, it was actually yeah. dressed that, but I wasn't doing the boring self myofascial fascial release when I was doing it. I was working on my human flag and that was exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know I mean, it just happened. That I was going to have my fascial release at the start of the session to help with that. But I had this exciting thing to do. And it's the same with my hamstrings, like wanting to do, um, some sort of straddle positions and press hamstring type work that, um, as soon as I work on my hamstring length, bingo, it like that stuff comes because my def- I found out where my deficiency was, but it was the same issue I had before that was help. You know, I had tight hip flexors that were putting strain on my, my pelvis and I was pulling, blowing my hamstring playing rugby. I must have done it, I don't know, 10 times, uh, and been out for a long bit, like one time doing it probably three times in a row where I was trying, trying to get back to, to playing again and was out for about six months maybe but that started with a relatively small like hamstring tear um and i'd actually until i was trying to do some ridiculous handstand i didn't do anything um effectively about it but that's where for us one of the things that calisthenics gives you or what gives us takes away from it seeming like a boring thing i think um Mm -hmm. 
it's only how you perceive it. Some of those things that when we're talking about technique of doing this, like it could make it really fun and cool, a part of your training. It doesn't have to be that boring part. Yeah. So have you found since you were obviously a rugby player before, now you're doing calisthenics, have you found like you're less injured, you're more mobile, or like maybe your potential as an athlete has grown a little bit more by doing more calisthenics-based exercises? No, I mean... It's 100% feel way better and a much more mm. grounded um, athlete because of that. But would, the caveat is, I am not, and, and Tim used probably as well, and I'll let him, he can talk about the number of times he dislocated his shoulder in a second and how much <laughs> better, um, almost how this whole sort of calisthenics journey started for both of us. But um, the caveat to, to that answer is that, um, you know, at least once a week in training, we'd have a full on, uh, full contact session. Yeah. And then you've got a game at the weekend. And when someone's ha- it, like, like, I can feel great now, but I haven't had anyone hit me for five years. And if they did, <laughs> I don't know what would happen. So, um, true, it, yeah. To say, I do feel better, like, my shoulders feel better, my hips feel better, I can do things I never thought I'd be able to do. Like, you know, when we mm-hmm. started in States, we couldn't do anything. We'd, we'd never done anything before. Couldn't even do a frog stand where you're sort of balancing um, on the, the, the on your hands with your elbow, your knees on your elbows, sort of like the easiest sort of. Um, hand balancing style. Well, don't say that. I can do that. <laughs> I thought I'd do it right. <laughs> no, that is good. But that's what I'm saying. When I started, I just face planted. I didn't even, I couldn't yeah. even hold that. That's how sort of bad we were. But, just ruined my day. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying you're better than me when I started. So that's a good thing. There is hope. Yeah. You can do a flag soon then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Tim's, I like, it's Tim's, you talk, just mentioned out like the whole, uh, instability overhead and the, the whole hand balancing journey from yeah. your perspective I sort of started off the back of for a number of different reasons but the, the main one that Jack is referring to is I've, I've had two shoulder reconstructions um, from multiple dislocations playing rugby in various different over probably sort of like an eight year period I would have thought um, and I decided to start calisthenics for the one reason was I was bored of normal training. What I'd done physio-wise hadn't worked in the past. Um, and I thought, if I can do a handstand, that's going to give me some confidence that my shoulder's stable. Mm-hmm. Um, having no gymnastics background, I remember trying to take my feet off the ground for the first time and not actually knowing whether I was going to dislocate or not because it was in the same shape that I would normally have popped my shoulder in. Yeah. Um, and I did. I tried it one session and, and it stayed in. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, you laugh, but that was a win for me. Like it, it was. I, I once dislocated it using a doing a snatch balance with an unloaded bar, so it couldn't take twenty kilos in the wrong position. And I'm now seventy five kilos, so I'm trying to develop or push loads more than that was on top on top of that shoulder. Um, so yeah, and, and it stayed in, and, and that it was a start, the, the shoulder stability when I had confidence in it almost started to become a secondary objective because I was having so much fun with what I was doing and mm-hmm. now as I reflect back five years later if someone says to me what's the best thing about calisthenics I'm like it's my shoulder it stays in place it feels strong and um, I don't have to worry about it dislocate anymore which is I still if, if, if I fell in the wrong place or awkward like I, like, I love snowboarding or if I slipped on an OCR course or something mm-hmm. is it going to pop possibly I don't know it's probably not it's a, hell of a, here, it's a hell of a lot better than it ever was yeah. I have confidence to do some things now, like a human flag. I, I can do a human flag cold without any prep. So it has, it has that level of control and I've got that level of confidence in it. We always recommend warming up. Before we do, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hard to, I didn't know Tim um, before we started doing calisthenics together, really, and, um, and started working together. And so I never knew him with, mm. the, with all those dislocations. And it's difficult to, if someone sees like a video of him now doing a handstand push up and a flag and this, that, the other, you don't think that there's, he can't have ever had any issues because it doesn't look because it looks so easy almost now. Yeah. Um, I remember when we first were trying to mess about doing a human flag. He actually said to me, "Mate, this bottom shoulder um, is that what takes a lot. It's sort of almost like the anchor down." He was like, "This is where I used to dislocate my shoulder," and I didn't know him. And I was just thinking, I was in rugby mode. I didn't just finished playing rugby, and I was very much like, "Shut up, mate. Let's crack on. Don't just do it." Because <laughs> like, if it goes, if it goes wrong, we'll just tape it up. That's the type of thing you do in. in <laughs> But yeah, no, it is, um, it's amazing to think. I love the fact that um, our story started with um, almost like a thought experiment that he yeah. then sort of uh, went through and it actually worked. And then it's, it's, come to, it's come to this. We only started doing it just, well, Tim, for that point, and I'd finished, but it'll be, I'm just like, oh, I'll crack it. I'll have a go. How long ago was this, boys? Say again? How long ago was this? Five, Five years. years ago. So yeah. at that point then, did you did you know about calisthenics? Was that a thing? Because for me, that's it's quite a new thing. Yeah, no, 
it is it was sort of like in america it seemed like a frank madrano videos a couple of videos like flying around on yeah i kind of looked at it and started to just browse on the internet about like some basic bodyweight training I've, I've got a light frame and i was playing rugby against guys that were much bigger than me i was never going to be a great rugby player because i'm i'm not big um so i'd kind of like thought for a while that i should be good at strength weight ratio sort of stuff i was i started my strength and conditioning career i was sort of five years in at this point um so i knew about training and i started to just explore different forms of training and, and handstands and exploration of bodyweight training led me to the word calisthenics mm-hmm. and that's just a label then of effectively what people have but yeah we were kind of like playing around with it we were the only people in our gym to be doing it and nobody else i didn't know anybody else apart from people on the internet and what we, sort of gym was this like a commercial gym or was it like a crossfit gym or uh, independent, call it a f- for once a better word, a functional Yeah, it bridges CrossFit with some um, mm-hmm. more. Like, it's actually a training for warriors if people are familiar with that um, that training system. So it's yeah, it's, it's got space, it's got bars, but um, it's it's a, it's a softer bridge between a commercial gym and a CrossFit gym. Probably is a fair way. Of putting yeah, it. yeah. And you guys have now started running some OCRs, I believe, or taken I, that last yeah. year. So we went to Mike's gym. We took a training group out there uh, mm-hmm. in October last year. In have you guys seen that? Have you seen that? Pl- have you seen it or been there? Or? Yeah. I've been to Mike's gym. It's great out there. Amazing. Yeah. Mike's a legend. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we, we'd sort of seen it and um, we, a few people that we know yeah. or come across a being and said we should go and check it out. And we went out there primarily with the idea of doing a calisthenics workshop. He's got all the bars in the space and yeah. things that we would need. It looked like it was a fun playground, so it kind of fitted with that um, that ethos that we have very essential as part of, of what we're about. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we, uh, we got there on the Friday. We took the guys for a bit of a mobility session. And then we'd arrange with Mike to um, go and have a, an orientation of the uh, of the obstacle course. I don't know, Luke, if you yeah. know what the orientation involved. <laughs> yeah. basically Did he make you do the Saturday that. slaughter session? Well, no. So w- we were supposed to have uh, an orientation on Friday, just a walk around, just <laughs> let people see it, have a little feel. Yeah. So, so <laughs> that on Saturday, um, I think it was timed for like the blazing sun yeah, midday yeah. to then like attack it on Saturday. But what actually happened was he just beasted us for two hours on Friday. Well, we were, we were 45 <laughs> minutes late for the session. So that didn't start us off on a good yeah. foot. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah, I came back from that. I've absolutely loved it. One thing that's been missing in my training for a while is, is the metabolic side of it. Um, and I loved just being in the dirt, sweaty. Like um, it was a nice team event for us. So we weren't absolutely mm-hmm. gunning it around, but might put us through a little bit of a session. And, um, it was basically ended up like just yeah, it was just a big fun thing to start off with. But um, yeah, so I came back and then my wife was actually away in South Africa seeing seeing family, and, and there happened to be a race on that weekend. So it was it was in Ashbourne. It was the X Runner um, mm-hmm. end of season event, like a fairly open, accessible event. Looked pretty yeah. easy. And I just started going to sign up and I went and I flipping loved it. So now I'm like looking at my calendar for this year of, of the things that the races I want to do. We're definitely going to put some in. But it, it brings me a stimulus to train the part of my, uh, or to train what's missing in my program, mm-hmm. which is my metabolic work predominantly. Yeah. And, and I like being out on trails. I hate running on the road, but uh, being in the woodland on the trails is, is right up my street. So it fits well. There's quite a few people in the in our sort of school guys community that are, um, already engaged in OCR events um, and or uh, like the idea of it. And we've, we've sort of said that we'd look at doing one um, and do it a bit of a team event and invite, you know, everyone that wants to come down and actually put a little school cassette team together and see what sort of damage we can do on the, (laughs) on the course. Are you, are you a bit like me when you go for a travel and you see a tree and you go, oh, I quite like to climb that one? Like yeah. that. You never actually get any running done. Yeah, I could hang my rings off that or I could jump over that. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah, but that's what's quite nice. Like running in forestry commission land, you can you can go and make. So when I was, tra- I did a few training runs for the, it was a 10K and I haven't run that far for a while. So there's a 5K trail loop and it's got like the, the wooden um, bollards and stuff to stop the motorbikes and horses mm-hmm. and stuff going through and you can okay I'm going to balance I'm going to get up on that I'm going to walk backwards and forwards on it I'm going to do some like hurdle overs I'm going to you can find within that session just the opportunity to, to run up a hill and do some burpees at the top like it yeah. just changes the way of like out on the street you're just not going to do that um, but in the woodlands by yourself you can literally do whatever you want mm. I love that idea and so from like the calisthenics background there's a lot of training stuff that people would use loads in obstacle course racing um the monkey bars are hanging from your shoulders so obviously shoulder strength um what would be like some of the main bits from calisthenics training that you would recommend for like ocr runners or people taking part in ocr who would help yeah. them out 
we we have a, a principle that we talk about um, a lot. And we've, we've got a, a section of our, our virtual classroom, which is kind of dedicated to it, but strength and play. Um, mm-hmm. And it's investing a huge amount of time on doing a strict ring muscle up for somebody doing OCIs. If they want to do it, then that's great if it's a training objective. But in terms of bang for your buck, if you're trying to fit in a decent amount of running training as well, we, we, we like the idea that actually if you give yourself the opportunity to move in different ways and you can handle load in different ways, so whether it's an arch or push-up on rings, so you're taking your hand out to the side, bringing mm-hmm. it back in, whether you can do ice cream makers, whether you can do a number of different pull-up variations, these are all things that are going to help you get over a wall when you're covered in mud. Um, rather than thinking that actually do you, are you ever going to do a human flag on an ocr course well possibly at the end for the photo yeah um, but it's not going to be part of the course so having diversity and giving yourself lots of different options so doing pull-ups is great but can you now do an archer pull-up um mm. can you or can you start to pull in different directions because it's that diversity which i think is yes, going to because if you've got those options you movement need. options whether you're on a bar whether you're on rings whether you're on a thick bar whether because the you know, what's your, if you just think about like traditionally when you go into the gym and someone might ask us when we put like, how, where should I have my hands and how wide should they be apart and, and try to make almost everything perfect. The reality and one of the things I think is great about something like an OCR is you're going to go up to wall and it's like, you've got to get over that thing. There's no like, you have to be shoulder width apart with your hands and they have to be pronated or supinated. It's, it's, you've got to go on the fly and you've got to have those moving options. Um, and so I think that side of things is where you'd get great sort of diversity to your training, but then, and that, as Tim was saying, that diversity would build robustness for your shoulders. So actually whether you've got to reach a little bit further outside of what might be a normal comfort zone, you've actually got that reach and you've got that strength and you've got that option. You can grab mm. something that's thicker cause it's not, you don't always use the exact same bar in the exact same yeah. gym in the exact same hand position. Um, I think that that's one of the things that, um, Having when we came back from Mike's gym, it was like I want to get more of, of that sort of variety of robustness um, into my training myself. It, it, was, yeah. it was inspiring in that in that regard. No, definitely. If you're looking at most OCRs, they're utilising um, scaffold poles as the monkey bars, yeah. which you're not going to find in a normal gym. They're yeah. going to be nice coated black pull-up yeah. bars that are standard size. So yeah, that's definitely mixing it up doing different stuff maybe um going out there's sometimes there's pull-up bars on trail runs and stuff which is always good to do yeah but yeah no that's great definitely for like people wanting to do ocr or beginner runners mix it up not always just pull-ups not always just the same piece of kit not always the same arm length yeah, so, have yeah a set no, of rings. rings like rings of I've, yeah i've got some rings places. they're great Again, not expensive you can put them in all sorts of places and you can play around with it as well we've, we've we often use hanging for a warm-up so if you if you train mm-hmm. it if you've got a gym access and you've got what, what might be deemed as a function <clears> lots of bars and stuff hanging off it mm-hmm. and we're big fans of sort of traveling and doing monkey bars and that's great you're going to try and move forwards but the reality is if you slip like your wet hands or you're cold or whatever else and you're all of a sudden you're one hand in a dead hang so you kind of just you're not in a strong position mm-hmm. that and can you get out of that shape and then can you then go and re grab a, a contact point and, and i think again it comes into doing some stuff around climbing like bouldering and yeah. that sort of thing is a great complement within this and it's something that we both mm-hmm. enjoy as well it's just fitting in that blend of, of going well, how am i going to fit all this into into a training program oh yes that's the hard point <laughs> yeah. trying to fit it into your life there's yeah. another... trying to find the time to get everything done yeah yeah if with, that, with that in mind, what recommendation for calisthenics is what what you guys do? What's your sort of average day of training? Yeah, we tend to gear our stuff at the moment. It, it kind of ebbs and flows depending on what we're working on. So the, the, one of the exciting things that we like about calisthenics is as soon as you've achieved something, there's something more difficult waiting for you. So you can do a handstand. Great. You've, you've put in some hours to get to that point. And you can pat yourself on your back when you can do it. But if you want to do a handstand push-up, that's now a whole new learning process. You've just laid the foundations to be able to go and play at the next level. Um, so we do a certain amount of that with our training. There's things that we want to be able to achieve. Um, and then we'll kind of balance that off with some foundation strength work. So underpinned and all those, the sexy bit of calisthenics is the foundation of strength. And if you want to go and do a single arm pull-up, you're going to have to go and do a decent amount of strength work. And that's not all just trying to do single arm pull-up progressions you're going to have to go and do some foundation heavy pull-up work with two hands on the bar so we, we kind of have this this um, balance around that sort of things and then 
it might be that we just have general what we call capacity strength se sessions as well where we're just playing around with the basics of dips and push-ups pull-ups variations of um so yeah the combination of skill work for a specific movement and then strength work for just laying a, a better foundation so that we can then go and do more stuff in the future i guess mm. uh, yeah yeah it's not we're not we're sort of Sometimes you get people ask questions like, um, can you send me a routine or like the best routine? And like the idea that you just have one thing that you just do over and over again all the time is not going to provide like the stimulus that your body's going to need to adapt to so like having things variety and things changing and depending on where you're at, like that's the whole thing about like a, if anyone had a periodized program over the course of a, a year or a you know if someone's going to like a Paralympic Games got a four-year cycle and the mm -hmm. idea being that although we don't have necessarily those things we should still have some level of um, variety in our training on the on the micro like session to session but then also on the macro in terms of like month to month or whatever so like you might like recently one of the things that we've well we've both been in relatively similar place of going um, or, or I'll give my specific example of wanting my needing to be stronger for certain movements and mm -hmm. uh, i've done an awful lot of like maximal strength work so low reps high rest high intensity um and that's i've always responded really well to that but I, my my sort of theory at the moment has been that i've almost exhausted but during that maximal strength effort work you're trying to do you're trying to like recruit as much of the the muscle fibers that you've got and feel that i've almost got to the point where i've pretty much executed that i've not getting my, my, I've always reached a plateau where actually what yeah. I need to do is a little bit of hypertrophy work, not necessarily because I want to get big, because I don't want to get any bigger because that makes things harder, but I need to do a little bit of something different to my training to then allow me to then recruit a little bit more, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, to go up to the next level. Yeah, so yeah, I'm doing a little bit of like, so now it's more sort of 6 to 12 reps and a little bit more, less rest and a bit more sort of volume. I'm trying to stick to that. Uh, the hardest thing is uh, I, I'm the type of person that I'm doing that for a few weeks and then I get distracted. Oh, look at this shiny thing over there. And then I want to go and do that. So I'm trying to keep a little bit more discipline. But we, one of the things that I like that we do is we give ourselves that freedom to just actually explore a little bit more, not be so rigid. And it might not be always the fastest way to an end point, but us as coaches, the, the more frustrating, the more difficult our own personal journey Mm -hmm. to an end point of something we're trying to achieve the more we're going to learn along the way and then that makes us then better coaches to be able to help people actually take the fastest track yeah no okay. definitely and you mentioned it before about uh, kind of like the play element and just touching it a little bit then about mixing up the training cycle how uh, well have you seen people responding to having a bit more of freedom in their workout so a lot of people have had this structured like you're doing 10 reps, this many sets, you're going to do chest day, you're going to do back day, etc. cetera. Um, so when they're coming into like calisthenics to train with you guys, are you finding they're progressing a bit more because they've got that more freedom element to do different things? I think kind of one, of the, one of the biggest things I would say is that um, you see people smiling a lot more. Um, people some people are a bit shocked at first it's like no no like how many do i need to reps do i need to do like right now and then how many do i need to do next week and the idea that like uh, there's any particular magic number like there's criteria if you want to create certain um, adaptations and stimulus that you want to sort of be within but the idea of mm -hmm. um of having like you say having that freedom like we'll often um at a workshop be you know show and explain certain things and then a phrase that we'll always say we almost don't necessarily, it's just happened. We don't like, I haven't specifically said it, but we just realize we say it all the time now as we go, right, so now go and have a play. And that's the, when you feel a bit tired and you want to have a rest, have a bit of a rest and then have another play. Like mm. give yourself that freedom. And we've uh, recently someone reflected back to us um, that from what we've been, what a lot of the stuff that we've been saying that actually um, calisthenics to us is just an excuse to try and, or to help people be happy. Um, there's a certain level of that play element to your training and it not being laborious and not being a trudge. Um, mm -hmm. Not to say certain things when you're working on like anything can be difficult if you're hitting a bit of a brick wall, but giving yourself some time in your, in your training, whether even just in your life, like as adults, we don't play as much as we should. And mm -hmm. uh, that Einstein quote that Tim's used a lot of the time before, like um, play is the highest, highest form of research. And we, we don't give ourselves as adults that freedom so much. Do you guys follow ID Portel? 
yeah, I've known of his, his work for for several years, and I mean, the guy moves really well. Like he's a beautiful mover, and he, and yeah. I think his training background is testament to that the the generalist approach that he's taken. Yeah, obviously a foundation capoeira and, and gymnastics, and but yeah, no, he's a he's an incredible mover. But to me, he always just seems like every video I watch of him, he's he's just having fun. He's just like looks like he's making it up. He's clearly not, but he's just enjoying what he's doing. And yeah. I think that's a big thing. And I, I personally, that's why I love OCR because when I when I run OCR, to me, okay, it gets serious. Don't get me wrong. But in general, I'm having fun. I'm playing. You know, I'm climbing walls and trees and doing all those things my mum probably told me I shouldn't be doing. I'm doing them now. Do you know I mean, I'm being a kid, basically. Yeah. And that's why you're continuing to do them as well, because it keeps you it keeps you engaged and motivated in it. If you don't like something, the chance of you maintaining it, even if you know, like, okay, exercise is good for me. I know I need to do it. But if you don't enjoy it, the chances of you, A, like putting everything into it and B, maintaining it and keeping it going are going to are going to diminish we need to find things that we enjoy and like doing and have fun with and that's not to say everyone has to do calisthenics because some people might not like it but if you find something that you do like and you have fun with it like like you say mm. you're gonna you're gonna carry on doing it. you're gonna want to do it mm. and get better effectively yeah exactly so you mentioned like your workshops do you have your own place or is it do you go in freelance on other gyms or yeah so we tend to um we're going distribute the the workshops around the country and we've, yeah. we've been all over but we we generally go and find gyms in in cities that we we want to go and deliver workshops in or sometimes people will approach us and say they've got a gym and invite us to go and run a workshop there so yeah we get around or we've been doing a few this year around with london birmingham dublin uh potentially not much like yeah, that belfast there. belfast edinburgh. Uh, edinburgh so yeah we're kind of doing some some of those we go mike's gym twice um and then we have a retreat where like a luxury retreat where we're taking a group of eight people down to like an incredible sort of luxury holiday home on the south coast just to sort of like dive into a bit more deeper stuff over a four-day period where we sort of jack and i will individually screen them and assess them write individualized programs um which is the only time of year that we do that so it's an intimate affair yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah so we've got we've got an incredible chef and barista Mm -hmm. and yes so so there's like a number of different options so people can either either come to a workshop for a day or they can train online or they can come for something a little bit more detailed or they could come and get absolutely gassed by mike in my bed depends on what you want to do (laughs) Go to Marbella. Come to Marbella. Yeah. yeah, that's what I do. Or come and do the OCR event that we're yeah, going to decide what we're going to yeah, do at some point. Yeah. <laughs> so, have you got an idea of which OCR event you're going to go to? Maybe a Spartan? Well, you said we, the overnight European one at yeah, Castle, so didn't I you? I'm a friend of God. Toughest mother. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I've done that in the last two years. Good event. Yeah, we're thinking about doing it this year, but um, we've got from a, for a, for a team strength uh, school of calisthenics event. I think probably asking people to do a twelve hour overnight is probably a, a step <laughs> early. So we might, because the, the the tough mudder is in uh, Beaver Castle, which is just down the road from Nottingham, it's pretty central for people. Uh, we might look at that one, but we need to have a few conversations with people. I'm actually for my individually, I want to. I think uh, I want to do a wolf run. Mm-hmm. Um, the spring wolf one I think is probably going to be I don't know, maybe the first one but definitely one that I'm, I'm targeting and we'll have a look around and see what who who wants to accommodate a group of calisthenics people that have never done OCR before <laughs> you generally find when you did um, I think you said your X-Runner I'm, I'm yeah. not familiar with the obstacles of X-Runner but do you generally find when you get to things like rings monkey bars it does become second nature to you yeah I think going into that I mean I don't want to diminish it, but it wasn't hard. No. So it was it was a, a very accessible event. It felt like a bit of a fun run with some inflatables and a few rivers to get in and stuff. So it was I didn't find it difficult. But to be honest, for me going into it, I wasn't worried about the obstacles at all. And I think I don't know, I need to get some more experience. But the diversity that I have in my training and the strength of weight to ratio, I'm not yeah. that massively worried about things. There'll be a few skill and technical um, benefits or challenges of confronting new obstacles, but it, it's not a part of my training that I'm massively worried about. For me, the more difficult bit was just the, the running side of it. I, I don't get a huge amount of running in, um, and it's difficult to then balance what we do from a business perspective of continually improving ourselves as calisthenics athletes, yeah, sure. and pushing our skills, and then putting time into running. Um, but yeah, I was I was keen to go and do the twelve the, the overnight what Europe's toughest money on the basis of just putting myself in a fairly uncomfortable place and coming through it. I was going to do it as a, with, I think I'm doing a pair or four. Um, but we'll see. I, I kind of like typical for me, I've done one, which might be a very easy entry level event. And I go, well, what's the hardest thing I can do? <laughs> so, oh yeah. Straight to the top. The, uh, the toughest mother is difficult. There's low points, especially at like dead at night, three, yeah. four in the morning, it's pitch black. You've been going for like, 
four hours. But that's where it becomes a completely different mindset because it, it's a mind thing. It's mm-hmm. no longer whether you're an athlete to a high level, if your mind goes, especially as running can get you, your mind's gone, isn't it? Yeah. What I'd be interested to see with yourself is, say, for instance, you picked like the world champ course, for instance, in Essex this year, and you went and did sort of, which is what I would class as a very um, rig-heavy obstacle course race where it's just rig after rig after rig, so very grip-heavy. Whether I think individually on the rigs, you'd, you'd smash it. But I think if you were to put that sprinting between and the running between, that's where you're going to get to the rig and control the heart rate, climb up yeah. onto the rig, grab your first ring. That's what most people get caught out on. You know, they can do rings all day long, but you put them after 15 miles and you get them on the ring, they're off the first one. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And that's when the, the unique challenge of them starting to build in. How do you train for that? Well, you need to be a little bit more creative with your training environment. Whether you do that indoors or you're out on the trail and you've got a set of rings at the bottom of the of a, of a, or top of a hill sprint or whatever, you, I think that you, that's the only way to train specifically for that is to start to create an environment. It's like the whole thing from a sports performance perspective is our job as strength and conditioning coaches is to maximize transfer training effects. And just doing pull-ups separated by a two-minute rest period isn't going to prepare you for the demands of a course like that. You're going to need to do it when you're absolutely blowing. Um, and can you still deliver? it then after an hour on your feet of running i think that's a great challenge and that's what that's what i think part of the attractions for the ocr for me is it's um it's an area of running distance like that i used to be a rugby player i was a winger predominantly short bursts high intensity if you put me in a session like that like i love it but ask me to go and run 10k and that's why just doing a normal 10k for me is not really that interesting i I want something else in there so the ocr of coming to an obstacle and then having that challenge as well is massively attractive because it's not just about 10k anymore it's adding a different dimension element for me to think about it's it's more interesting to me um so yeah i think it's uh it's definitely how you structure your training to be able to prepare for an event like that and i i my kind of view on it when i was was trying to fit geek ocr steve watley who i did the the course with he'll definitely listen to this an absolute legend been engaged with us for a while really really good guy um but we were saying that if i look at good ocr runners or good ocr competitors typically they're just they are very good runners it's the running which i think is going to separate you i could be probably great on the obstacles but unless i can match their their um their speed or their cadence on the runs you're not going to have much of a chance i think that's where the the real gains are for, for a lot of people no yeah very true especially we've seen it and the guys who are at the top of OCR are phenomenal runners, like John Alban, world champion, pretty much all of the OCR events that they're out there. He's also one of the world's best mountain runners, mm. trail runners. So it's definitely one of the things running is of high, high oh, standard. Like that comes down to a little bit on what your your physical makeup is. I mean, if, you, if you've got a background in that kind of running, getting strong for an OCR is pretty easy. Like we're not asking mm. someone to come and deadlift three times body weight or something crazy. Like it's, can you manage your own strength to weight ratio? You don't have to, it's, it's not that difficult. Um, but to get to that level of running, mm. takes some time and certain people are just not going to be built to run like that. Like it's, if you've got that, that natural endurance type physique, you're going to lend yourself well. And I think that's one thing where I kind of, when I dipped my foot into the OCR world and had a look around, when you start to understand, am I about competition or is this as much about just challenging myself and having fun on a Saturday afternoon? I'm not going to take it that seriously. My initial competitive instinct is right. How do I be the best? But when you start to look at that, it's a, it's a very different approach. And I think that what I like about it is actually for me, I don't need to be the best at that because I'm trying to do what I can in calisthenics. That's my focus. But, what I'm doing has now got this stimulus for me to focus a little bit more on metabolic training. I can sign up to four races a year, whatever I want to do. I can rock up, have a great time, but not feel like I've got to go out and win it, but just go out and push myself and select races, which I think are going to challenge me physically and mentally in, in equal value. That's almost mm-hmm. what, what do you like when you're cold and tired and you don't really want to run anymore? Like that's a good place to take us from a mental perspective to actually see now, okay, what am I going to do to come out of this? And, and how do I learn from that process? Yeah. Are there, um, are there competitions in calisthenics like CrossFit have games, OCR have races? Is there a le- like you're putting all this working, you can do human flags, you can do muscle ups, you can do ring, all that brilliant, yeah. well done. But what's your end goal? Is it Battle of the Bars that are calisthenics yeah, competitions? Yeah, yeah, there are, there are, there are, I think lots of we've, we've never, um, that's not sort of our bag, but yeah, there are competitions for. Uh, people, I guess, all over the world. Um, that falls into what people would call as more like freestyle calisthenics. Yeah, so it becomes like more sort of acro, uh, acrobatic elements yeah. and lots of uh, like flips and rotations and somersaults and 
um, as well as all your sort of like big strength moves and that. And the guys that are winning those things are absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Like, and there are strength people. Sometimes within calisthenics, people will find their way into freestyle. Sometimes people like doing muscle ups of 32 kilos on. So how strong are you at those things? And um, for us, we don't really have that desire to compete in it. Our, our big mission and purpose is to try and create an accessible environment where anybody can feel like they can come into calisthenics. If you see someone in the gym doing a 32 kilo muscle up or doing a muscle up 360 and you've never really even done any body weight training before and can't even do a pull up, that is so far away and potentially quite um, intimidating. Yeah, you're starting your journey, but what we want to do is make it accessible so that people can get the same benefits and enjoyment and, and satisfaction out of learning to master your own body weight um, and not be put off by the top level stuff and you see it all over instagram people are very good at sharing what they're amazing at and you look and you go i could never do that well mm. you probably can but what you need is the school of calisthenics hopefully to, <laughs> confidence to start because that's what we find like, on ramp don't you, yeah, you need yeah. we've been yeah. through that process ourselves and we don't we don't pro profess to be the best athletes in the world but but mm. our focus is to try and coach it as best as we can and, and better than anybody else and that's that's our end goal rather than being an individual satisfaction yeah. how yeah. that's irrelevant really how yeah, good so other people is is the real purpose yeah so linking in with that is um this new virtual classroom your next big project to incorporate more people into the world of calisthenics yeah so there's uh crikey the virtual yeah the virtual classroom so we it's um, been ongoing for a while we thought we just come off the back of it we're absolutely yeah we, time. Uh, <laughs> something that we'd always um we'd always found difficult was um that everyone's everyone's an individual right and everyone um ideally like if when we've worked with uh the paralympic athletes that we've we've trained over the last however many years um in, in the previous business that we both started working together on everyone would get their own individualized program because they had to because they might everyone's impairment would be different and any athlete really should have a an individualized program whether they have any impairments or not but the idea that um, one handstand program or one muscle-up program is going to be the right thing for everybody was always something that we found really difficult to sort of, um, or, we, or we difficult to get our heads around, and we sort of battled with that or struggled with that for, for a while. And we put together some of our um, put together training programs that were e-books that were sort of like version one of this, effectively. Um, but it was very. We always tried to make it educational. And we wanted you to not follow a 12-week program that then in week 13, you don't know what to do next, um, that you, we were actually trying to educate you, upskill you so that you were in control of your own training. You knew how to actually write a training program specific to you. We're just going to give you all the tools and all the, you know, uh, predominantly most of those were um, uh, video coaching tutorials, to, but we're not necessarily going to, you're not going to need to do exactly the same thing as the person next to you. Um, and the virtual classroom has allowed us to take this, idea and actually go really deep with it so it's, it's an e-learning platform um we've got specific classrooms for people who want to learn specific movements and they have been broken down into uh, modules and sort of bite-side lessons that have assessments uh, self-assessments along the way and those those assessments give you troubleshooting issues if you can't achieve that thing so that if you get stuck you're gonna you're gonna know where to you know do some of or position some of the rest of your training to get you through that hurdle and it might be that you're struggling with module one and you actually do module one two times or three times or however many it doesn't matter how long it's just that you've got some guidance of where to go and how to continue moving that and so that gives people that have got those sort of specific goals something an endpoint to, uh, to, to aim towards and we celebrate what we call the graduation when you can actually do it um, they've even now with the virtual classroom get a certificate to even um, <laughs> celebrate that with them. And um, we encourage people to share those things uh, in terms of uh, them being able to, I can now do a handstand or I can do a human flag or a muscle up, whatever it was that they were striving for, because one, it's inspiring actually just for us to see the the effect in that, of that having. And what it does is it shows other people that are just normal people, just like us, just like them that have, managed to do so something that they thought at first felt impossible when we started this thing it felt impossible and that's why the, the phrase redefining impossible came about and once you do do that thing it's it's inspiring and motivating for yourself because what could I, what else could i do but it's also exactly that for those other people around you and you know everyone in there um is that we're just we're just normal people all trying to what's great about it is there's a the whole community aspect of it so it's almost like a mini facebook version within the within the platform where 
people can follow each other but they can also like share their experiences they can help each other they can comment and we feel like it's 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 been one of the things that's blown us away. It feels like one of the we feels like the most supportive community of people in training that we've online that we've um, ever been a part of, and it's a privilege to be part of that. Um, we've run live webinars within there. We've got challenges. We've got follow along workouts. We've got workout of the week. We've tried to incorporate a little bit of um, everything to hit all bases, so that whether someone wants to learn something specific, or they just want a fun challenge, or they want a workout to follow as a complete video or whether they just want a new workout each week that they can, we can service all of them in there. And, um, yeah, the, 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 the way we've structured it, if you, uh, if you remember, you get access to all those things, <laughs> whether you want all of them or not, then that, that is, you can plug into what bits you need, but you get everything. Um, so it's pretty simple. And it's uh, the people that are in, uh, in there, some of the, the comments that they're making to one another within the community is, is inspiring. And where can someone find that type of stuff? Is it all on your website? Yeah, if you go, if you go to schoolofcalisthenics.com, um, you'll find it. And there's links through there to the virtual classroom. Um, and that's got all the information about us. And we're all over social, so you'll be able to pick us up on Instagram, Facebook prim- prim- primarily, Twitter, YouTube. There's, there's tons of stuff. You want to go and get a feel for what we're about. Um, there's, free, there's a free tour of the virtual classroom actually on there. Um, or you can head over to YouTube. We've got tons of content up on there, which will get people going. I think, yeah, that's a good way forward, isn't it? Like, I'm always, like, working on YouTube and then, like, oh, I want to do that, oh, I want to do that. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah, definitely. Great for training. Are you going to YouTube the OCR you guys do, then? We'll definitely film it. Oh, I could <laughs> get on YouTube. It's a different matter. Yeah, yeah I've, got we'll a, I've got a head thing for my... Um, Called, yeah, I think the GoPros and like GoPro, on OCO course are like <laughs> the amount of time I want to watch that for is like it's okay for a five second yeah, yeah. burst, but I don't want to watch two hours of you running through the mud and boring. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we've got we've got a guy who does our video uh, who came to Marbella with us called Marchin and uh, he took some footage of what we did at Mike's gym and it's flipping brilliant. But you can fly drone around at Mike's without any problems. Um, yeah. It looks great, but yeah, definitely. I'm super excited about that. It's definitely something that we're gonna try and sort out for this year, and uh, I think it'll be a really positive thing. Bring everyone together and get muddy. A few You're not afterwards. just gonna go around with your iPhones, <laughs> selfies on all the obstacles. <laughs> yeah. So, what recommendations have you got for for obstacle? If you because we'll probably put this out if it's right with you guys onto our podcast as well. Is it? Is yeah, it, of course. Who's gonna get started? Like, how do they? Well, got jump on points, and, and where does it where does it start to get a bit tasty? Uh, I think if um, you're looking for like a beginner course, probably a Spartan race sprint course would be like kind of the best option. Um, They have a easier range of obstacles, um, less of the tougher ones that you'll find at like a super or a beast level. Um, So that'd be a great starting point for people to just come in, test out something, see what kind of obstacles they struggle on, see where their downfall is, where they need to go and improve on. Um, or they just absolutely smash it and think, oh, I'm going to go to the next one. This is good. Yeah. Spartans, so, yeah. you get um, penalties if you fall off exercise. Yeah. Fall off Burpees. Burpees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, like, we've got straight into Spartan there. There are, like, from a beginner level, there's, like, so you've got your X-runner, your wolf run, Tough Mudder. They all do now. They're all getting very good at just sort of doing beginner or entry-level races. So they're not all as demanding and tough as what people think they are you know you say a spartan it automatically goes whoa hold on but the 5ks the sprints they tend to be um for the masses they're very doable very achievable but you will get a taste of something that will sort of make you go ah i want to go back and complete that whether that be rings um the spear is normally a big one in spartan um obstacle course racing is going a very funny way and it's interesting to see because a lot of the different races are going their own unique way for instance, Spartan sticks with a whole spear. Um, and you could be amazing at throwing that spear, but you know, you've got me and Luke racing down for one or two on that podium and we could both come up to the spear and he misses it. You know, it's a whole different ball game. Um, you're doing 30 burpees. So I think specifically you've got to know the course, you've got to know what what it is. For instance, like uh, when I coach my guys, if they're going to Perth, for instance, to do a race in Scotland, we're not going to train them on a the flat. You know, so if you know the rough area, try and train that terrain. The amount of OCR racers that are doing their first race and they've done 5K, 10Ks on the road. I'm like, yeah, you will not get any pavement in OCR or whatsoever. It's going to be the most gnarly, messed up trails you're going to find. And they will put barbed wire and 
brambles and I mean most races we, the front runners break the ice if there's ice you know they're breaking they're making the tracks for stinging nettles so man up <laughs> do you know what I mean like that's that's what it's all about um but I think if you've got a general general running base I think and then general strength so like if you can just do a pull-up or at least hold your body weight you're going to be all right yeah also um tough mudder do a 5k version um which if running is like your big downfall you don't really run as much or you haven't got time to run like a big distance tough mudder 5k is probably going to be a bit of an easy one the obstacles are quite big they're easier to complete and there's only probably about three to four very technical ones that would uh, give people some kind of problem so that's another one that entry level or beginner would be able to do but um i think for you guys you should just go straight in and go into ocr world championships in essex and then we can, <laughs> we can see how you do on the uh the rig obstacles yeah well we'll look it up is that yeah uh, yeah we'll have, a, we'll have a browse and see what's uh what's going on I'm looking for a challenge definitely i think the opportunity to go and do something which makes you uncomfortable i think it's uh getting outside the comfort zone is definitely and, and if you can do it in something which is potentially enjoyable yeah um, at least some of it is enjoyable at the beginning of the end. <laughs> I think with um, OCR, I think a lot of people are just scared. So my advice would be grab a friend. You know, don't just sign up on your own. Grab a friend. Go do it together. Go enjoy it. You know, go and laugh around the course and have fun. Do you know what I mean? And then then if you finish and like you say, if your goal is to compete, then go that next level. If your goal is just for self, I mean, a lot of the guys just want the bling. They just want the T-shirt in the middle. You know? <laughs> So, and there are some nice t-shirts and medals out there. Um, so yeah, grab a, grab a friend and go in and go and do it yourself. Yeah, reasons we wanted to, the idea of doing a bit of a team event of, for us of just getting our community together. And I'm really hopeful that a lot of those people that do come will, will be first timers and that they'll be able to just enjoy, like you say, and be less worried because they know they're doing it as part of a, yeah exactly a load of people all doing it together for the first time the people that have there'll be some experienced people there as well and they can just sort of show us the way mm. don't right forget that it. it's it's quite demanding that's the other thing i would say is like a lot of people do uh sort of calisthenics crossfit to lose weight and be in good shape and they're doing that fasted or they're doing that on a very strict diet one thing i learned and i learned very quickly is don't be silly. Just get fueled up and go out there on a full, nice belly. <laughs> don't don't get halfway up a mountain and die. Yeah, and, and in the right equipment. When I did the X runners, people running around in a pair of Adidas that they got from JD, and I looked at them going, "What are you doing? You're going to break your <laughs> Unbelievable! You need a pair of trail running shoes as a bare minimum." I was. Yeah. And then obviously, if it's cold, make sure you've got layers on. If it's boiling hot, don't have too many layers on. You know. Gloves, no gloves, that's another one. I mean, I would always say no gloves and just get, get your hands. I mean, you guys should be pretty gnarly. You should, uh, you yeah. should yeah. be without the gloves. So, yeah, there's some good tips in there. I think the equipment one was one for me that I was sort of, I wanted you to go in. I ended up going as a pair of shorts and a base layer. That was it. And the cold was one thing I was Marigold, conscious so of. Yeah, yeah, was a pair of <laughs> Great <laughs> idea. Yeah, waterproof gloves. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was uh, the cold and the, and the water, like, you don't even realize it. It wasn't even a, a consideration over a 10K course. It was, you, you're wet, but I don't feel cold at any point. And the first time you go in the water, if you focus on what you're trying to do, you don't yeah. even think about whether you're wet and cold. It's just part of the fun. And yeah, it was great. And don't forget, we've all had that first race. Do you know what I mean? Mm. We, we've all got the stories the first time, we, like you guys would have with your first muscle-up or your first race. You know, we've all got that embarrassing, well, actually, the first time I did it, I did this, this, and this. You learn from that. And and that's what's great. You look back and you go, why the hell was I wearing that, or why was I doing it like that? <laughs> yeah. You know, and you learn from your mistakes, and that's that. You know, that's how we grow, and you know, yeah, yeah. that's what it's all about. Yep, yeah. that's good advice. Hundred percent. Right. Well, I think uh, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much for coming on, guys. It's absolutely. I've just got to go to a gym and hang off a bar now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, start training. Some start playing around some pull-up progressions, and uh, yeah, you'll find that it's just some some strength and depth will be uh, will be ideal for you guys. It's interesting because I actually have a rig, so I go straight to my rig and start doing rings and and things. I don't think I do enough of the basics now. I'm a little bit worried. That I need to go do a bit more basics. You yeah. need to go and hang on it for a while. Yeah, I don't. I haven't had well. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> underpins it all always we always go back to the same thing so often we jack and i try and do more complex things and then we 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 strive for a period of time which is going to be anything from 
a week to a year and then we go you know what we need to do more basics we need <laughs> yeah. to do foundations and it's sometimes having the humility and calm and ego down to go mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. okay i'm actually just not strong enough and then the nice thing about the basics are they're not so taxing so actually it's a little bit easier <laughs> yeah better at those simpler some of the real complex stuff it takes a lot of like brain energy because you're having to concentrate so much actually giving yourself a little bit of chill out time with some, with some easier basic sessions doesn't make you a very good instagram profile does it <laughs> yeah. you can't always do it for the likes <laughs> and on that note <laughs> excellent guys thank you very much for joining us today it's been a pleasure to chat to you and good luck with all the future and hopefully see you at some of the races yeah great yeah, thanks no. guys appreciate your time Thank you. How do I pronounce your name? Thomas Van Tonder? Um, yes, that's the closest you're going to get to it. So, um... <laughs> Trust me, that's the closest I will get to it for sure. <laughs> Thomas Van Tonder. This is Ryan Kent, and you've been listening to OCR Audio. Uh, I'm Ian Hosick, and you've been listening to OCR Audio.